Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Good morning. We're so glad that you're with us. Well, if you were with us last week uh, or listened to the to the message on our website or uh, through Facebook, you heard an excellent testimony on marriage from from Luther and Beth Hensley. And if if you did happen to miss it or if you didn't listen online, I would really encourage you to listen to that word because it was a great testimony and just an encouragement that wherever you find yourself in marriage, that there's hope. Uh, there, there's never a point where it's hopeless. God can always uh, bring restoration. And, and that was such a good word last week. This week we're going to continue this series on marriage and family, but focus on the family portion as it applies to raising children, uh, not only to follow Jesus Christ and to have their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but also to be functioning adults. <laughs> we would, most of us, I think, would want that for our children. Um, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to get there in a moment. I want to share something uh, that some of you may have heard of this, of this author. She was a comedic author um, back in the 70s and 80s, I think even into the early 90s. Her name's Irma Bombeck, and she's since passed, but some of you know, my mom had these books when I was a kid. That's how I was exposed. Um, but she came to mind as I was you know, doing this series on, on marriage and family. And I just remember her talking so much about kids and things like that. And I was like, I'm sure she's got some, some wisdom in this area. But I think she outlined what most of our goals as parents would be if we were honest. And she said, wouldn't it be wonderful if parents could look at their teenagers and say, I want you to stay, but you can't. And wouldn't it be wonderful if teenagers could look at their parents and say, I don't want to leave, but I must. It's so much better to close the door gently on childhood than to slam it. And I think this simple statement says a lot and, it, and, and speaks to the heart of what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I would say it's the desire of most parents to skillfully transfer our values and our beliefs to our children so that they're prepared to face the world spiritually and in every other way. It's a process of discipleship. We want to raise them to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and to be capable adults who make a positive impact on the kingdom of God and also on society at large. But before we jump in, I also want to just take a moment to assure anyone here who either isn't a parent or maybe your kids are grown up and gone that the things that we're going to be talking about this morning still apply to you. Whether you are seeking to disciple other people in relationship or you lead people in any other way or you interact with anyone in any way, shape or form, this message will apply to you as well. The first thing that I want us to think about and understand uh, this morning is that children and people in general uh, are imitators of behavior. Have you ever heard the statement that says, uh, do as I say? Not as I do. Well, as we all know too well, that hypocritical statement removes virtually any chance that what we've said is going to be taken seriously by the hearer. And the chance of it being applied is virtually zero. How many of you have firsthand experience that our children imitate or mimic our behavior? 
<laughs> any parent. I remember, and, and it can be good and it can be bad. There can be moments of imitation that make you proud and there can be ones that make you embarrassed or humiliated or all, all kinds of angry. Um, one of the things that it made me think of when our kids were maybe three, four years old and would be with us in, in like worship is the first time they would raise their hands in worship. You know, they didn't really know what was going on or understand it, but they saw, saw mom and dad doing that and they would imitate that. They would mimic that behavior and it would be, you know, you'd just be like, oh, you know, they're, they're picking up a good thing. Uh, one of the embarrassing things is when they say things <laughs> that they've heard you say. You know, and we've, I've always joked that like my level of, of curse word is like the third, fourth level of, you know, like shoot or, you know, whatever. And, uh, Allison reminded me, uh, of the word crap, you know, um, when you get frustrated. And, uh, when, when we would say it, it didn't, you know, as an adult, it didn't say, well, that's not really a bad word. One thing though in that is the intent is still there. It's still the same frustration. It's still this, for the same purpose. But when your three-year-old says that, you're going to like, oh, that doesn't sound good. You know, and, and immediately we knew they're repeating what they hear us say. The, the other disturbing thing is even at that age, they were using it in context. You know, they, they'd, they'd done something and gotten, you know, they got the whole picture. You know, they're not just using it. They're using it right, you know. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. You know, it's like they they see it. They imitate it. But it didn't matter that we would just say, don't do that anymore. If they still see us continue to do that, the, the level of instruction there is isn't very high because they see us like, well, but you still do it. You know what? What? What's the difference? So the first question that I want us all to ask ourselves this morning is, do I possess the values and beliefs that I want to pass on? If the answer is no, step one is not to start talking to your kids or instructing your kids on what they should or shouldn't do. It's start practicing those disciplines yourself. It's impossible to transfer something, whether it's spiritual or physical, unless we possess it ourselves. We have to ask ourselves, do I have a relationship with God that I want to pass on to my children or that I would want to pass on to someone else in a discipleship relationship? And if the answer is no, we have to focus on our relationship with God first because we know and we have to understand that we can't transfer anything that we don't have ourselves. I'd ask you to ask yourself these questions. Is my relationship with God personal and intimate? Or is it religious and impersonal? Or is it formal and works-oriented? Or is it legalistic and rule-centered? Or does it not exist at all? Because whatever we answer that question, it's the relationship that we're practicing that we're going to pass on to our kids, not the one that we tell them they need to, to live up to. Our children and others are influenced more by the life that we model for them than by what we say or our good intentions or any other factor of influence. I remember growing up as a kid and seeing both of my parents every morning reading their Bible and praying. And that they didn't force my brother and I to do that. They didn't tell us we had to do that every day or give us a specific time and say, you have to do this. But we saw them do it every single day. 
And Candy and I have, have done that and modeled that behavior. And whether our kids are doing it right now or not isn't really the point. They're seeing a behavior that we want to be replicated and to, imitate, to be imitated uh, as they learn to follow Christ themselves. We're trying to show them what a relationship with God looks like and live it out in front of them because if we're not doing that, anything we say really doesn't have any weight or importance to it because they say, well, it's obviously not that important or you'd be doing it yourself. We're going to look at three scriptures regarding these principles or this principle. The version of the Bible that I'm using uses the word mimic um, or, or imitate, I'm sorry, uh, and your Bible may use the word mimic or follow. The original word is mimetes, and it means to imitate, follow, or mimic. The important thing to remember is that we must be shaped first before we can shape others. So let's take a look at these scriptures. The first one's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 2. And if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. It says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because... You remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I deliver them to you. And then in Hebrews 13, 7, it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then finally, in third John, verse chapter three, verse 11, it says, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God and whoever does Evil has not seen God. So that first scripture in 1 Corinthians 11, this is the Apostle Paul talking. And he starts out saying, imitate me just like I imitate Christ. Then he goes on to say, maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. So he says, yeah, I came to you and taught. I taught you the word of God. I taught you what Christ taught me. But the very first thing I did was lived it out in front of you. I imitated Christ. And it's a life and practices and, and principles that are worth imitating yourself. First of all, imitate me is what Paul was saying. Then remember what I taught you and the traditions and, and the teachings and then, and do those things as well because they lined up. And then we see the same thing in Hebrews. He says, remember your leaders. They spoke to you of the word of God. They were teaching you, but then it says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Look at what they're actually doing in their life. See if it's something worth imitating. And if it is, then remember what they're teaching you because it works. They apply it. They do it. If you have your Bible, uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to look here at a scripture that um, I've actually taught on both sections of this that we're going to look at. But it's interesting that as I was looking at this particular uh, aspect of imitating and following what we actually possess and the fact that unless we possess something we can't pass it on i saw this particular passage in a new way but it's a very common one that you'll hear when people are talking about you know raising up children in the faith so deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So as I've said, I've taught on both of these before, but usually focused on uh, the first few verses through verse 6 as its own message, and then go on to the latter half about kids and kind of teach that like it's its own message. But think about what this is saying when you look at verse 5 and 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. God was saying you have to possess this personal relationship with me first. You, you, the parent, you, the adult, love me with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your might and have my word written on your heart. You have to possess it. Before you can pass it on to your kids or anyone else in your life for that matter. And then once you have it, once you have that relationship with him, then you're able to go on to verse seven and apply it and say, "Okay, now you have that. Now teach your kids, teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So we break that down into our vocabulary today. When we sit in the house, as we enjoy life together at home, we're just together in the house as a family. When we walk by the way, when you're in the car, when you're in a plane, when you're walking somewhere, when you're going anywhere with your family, it's an opportunity because they're watching you. They're watching everything you do and everything that you say. When you lie down or when you get ready for bed, when you're brushing your teeth, When they're asking for that last glass of water, when they don't want to go to bed, all of those moments are times that we can have opportunities to teach and show our kids the the behaviors and the, the principles that we want them to pick up and imitate. When we rise up as we prepare to start our day, they see how we live. You know, this applies not just in the spiritual, it's even even the physical and things, uh, habits that we would have. If your habit is to, um, Always kind of be rushing, you know, maybe, maybe every morning's a late morning and everybody's just kind of scrambling around and running around. Uh, that's what you're imitating to your children. And it's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. Just understand that, that that's now what they think. This is how you live. This is normal. If you, um, are always late to things, you know, there's, there's a start time for something. You're always 15 minutes late. Well, that's, that's the only thing your kids are going to know. That's what if you're if you're an employer and you're always late and then you can't figure out why your employees are always late. Well, it's a little difficult to tell them, you know, well, you need to be on time, but don't worry about me. (laughs) You know, I don't know how to do it. I've never learned how to do it, but I want you to do it. And those those things that we can get frustrated with our kids. And sometimes it's not until they point out our own hypocrisy, because it's always easy to see something in somebody else. But we're usually blind to it ourselves. You know, you might have found yourself in an argument with one of your children saying, you know, well, you need to get on time or you need to clean this or you need to pick that up. And then they turn it around on you (laughs) and say, well, you don't ever do that. (laughs) And then we get upset. Because it's like, well, it's not your place to tell me what to do. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's really not our place to tell them to do things we can't do ourselves. And that's what this is, this is about, saying, do we possess the characteristics, the relationship with God, the, the integrity 
relationships with others? Do we possess the characteristics that we want to see uh, in our own children? I mentioned in the first service, one of the things that I've asked myself many times is, would I want my children, uh, you know, I've got two daughters, and I said, would I want my children to marry a man exactly like me? And the honest answer is in some ways, yes, and in a lot of ways, no. There's still a lot of things that I've got in my life that I hope they find a man that's better than I am, that's made it further than I have. And I say that to speak some grace into this message. Don't hear this and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, everything's messed up in my life. My relationship with God's not close enough. I'm not doing this right. I'm not, you know, my, you know, my kids don't have a chance because my life's such a mess. No, that's not the purpose of this message this morning. The purpose is, though, that we would honestly look at it. There's not an area in my life that doesn't still have room to improve and get better. I can't tell you how many times uh, Candy and I have talked to our kids and apologized about things because we said something, did something. Uh, maybe we gave too strict of a penalty and we still followed through because we said we were going to do it. So we did it. But what I apologize to him for is I shouldn't have made that the penalty. I won't do that again. It won't be, you know, the, the punishment needs to fit the crime. And so things like that that would happen in the relationship, we can be honest with them and say, look, uh, you know, let's say, you know, you smoke and you haven't been able to kick that habit and you're telling your kids don't smoke. Well, you can be honest and say, well, one of the reasons that I don't want you to is because it's addictive. And I don't want to anymore. I have no desire in my heart to smoke anymore. But because of that, I can't quit. And I've tried. And I'm still trying. And I'm praying to God for the strength for it. And I've got this relationship with this brother in Christ. And he's working with me on that. And, and I am working to get to a place where I will present a behavior to you that is worthy of imitation. But what I can tell you right now is this isn't something you want to imitate. It's something I struggle with. I don't smoke, by the way. <laughs> just, just an example. But that's just an example that it's okay to be honest and transparent with your kids and have them understand, I've got issues too, but I'm giving them to the Lord and I'm working on it. And that's what the, and the truth is, the whole deal with coming to God is all about the heart. And so you're saying, my heart is to follow God with all my strength, with all my might, with everything that I have. And that's what I'm doing my best to do on a daily basis, not even by myself, but with my brothers and with my sisters in Christ and letting them hold me accountable. And even in some ways, you could let your kids hold you accountable, you know, if it's appropriate. Um, on, it might be something you both need to work on. You know, maybe it is getting somewhere on time or keeping the room and house picked up or whatever it is that you might be worrying. You say, well, let's hold each other accountable. You know, we know that we'll see it when the other one doesn't do it, <laughs> you know. So have grace both ways. And kids, uh, have grace for your parents. They love you. They care about you. They want what's best for you. They don't want you to make the same mistakes that they made. They want you to learn from their behavior have grace for them and know that they care about you and everything that they're trying to instill you in you is for your good. And they're going to make mistakes. But give them a break sometimes and let understand that you're both in it to get to a place where you have that relationship with God that they're also striving to have because we all have to get there on our own. Well, before uh, we close, I want to give you a couple practical tips along along the lines of parenting 
this first one is that we don't teach values when we're correcting wrong behavior. The time for training and imparting values is not while you're administering the correction or at the point of frustration. I'll explain this, and we really saw this um, in all the scriptures that we looked at earlier. It's about doing it in that 24-7 time that your kids are really watching what's going on. You know, it's when your kids are waking up in the morning and when they're going to bed and when you're just hanging out in the house, all those times that you're able to impart those values, um, not just at the time they did something wrong and they're getting punished for it. doesn't mean they don't get punished, and that's what we're going to talk about. If you're giving, um, in the middle of giving your child a spanking, for instance, or whatever type of form of consequence that, that you've chosen to apply, um, in that moment, you're not training them. You're correcting them. So when the correction reinforces our values, it doesn't apply our values. We impart our values in the 24-7 through the conversations, through the living it out. And that's where they see whether you're really living it out or not, whether you're telling them one thing and doing another. When we're correcting with a punishment, we're reinforcing the value that we've put in place. One of the things with our, our kids is we would never um, discipline them when they did something wrong that we never told them was wrong. You know, uh, and this really applied when they were little. You know, maybe they touched something they shouldn't be touching that was breakable. Well, we're not going to discipline them for touching that because we never told them not to touch it. But now in this walking out, as we hang out in our house, they did something. And now we're going to have a teachable moment. And it's just going to be like, okay, don't touch that anymore because it could break we don't want it to break you would get cut you know don't do that again and now we would impart what would be the consequence if they were to do it again out of disobedience now that we've had this conversation you know and then that would be you know whatever punishment and so then if they did it again that correction would be reinforcing the value that we said was there but it wouldn't be that first time of saying oh you touched that let's go you know, you're, you're in trouble now. It's like, well, they didn't even know it was wrong. So it's in that day-to-day living out that you impart those, those values. Another good example that, that we have, and Candy's really great about this, is like watching TV shows. You know, again, we're just living at the house. We're hanging out, and the kids are, are watching a show with the family. And something happens in that show that's not part of our value system. And Candy will either pause it, or at the end of the show, she'll be like, okay, you know, huddle up. This happened, and this happened, and this happened. Here's why we don't do that. We don't agree with that. This is what the Bible says on that, and and goes through all of that stuff because it's like she's going to impart our value system. We're not going to walk away from that moment and them thinking, oh, mom and dad must think that's okay because we all just sat here together and nobody said a word, you know. And so we... She would reinforce those principles. And then later on, if they were to do something, we could go back and say, look, we've had this conversation. You knew that was outside of our value system. Why did you still do that behavior? And then, you know, maybe there's there's consequences or things like that. Another example of that is just, again, life. We've got family members who have done different things throughout the years, and, and all of you would be able to raise your hands. It's either a personal example or watching other people's example of people doing things and living with the consequences of their action. And some of these lessons with our kids have literally played out over a decade or more 
and we could continue to come back to that situation and say, look what's still going on in this person's life and look what's happening in that person's life and the consequences that they're dealing with today for a decision they made 5, 10, 15, whatever years. And we're not, we love our, all of our family, love all of our friends, but as they present great teachable examples, <laughs> you know, use it in life. Have that conversation with your children and say, this is the reason. And we've got plenty of examples we've told them about our own lives and our own mistakes. And it's always in the intent that they won't do the same thing. And that we're getting closer and closer and closer to living a life, imitating Christ, having a relationship with him that we want them to be able to imitate exactly like we're walking it out. And for the places that we aren't yet, we try to be as honest as we can and say, look, we're still, still in progress. We're still working on it. They should see us doing all the things that we want to transfer and instill to them. They should see us reading our Bible, praying, seeking God, when we're in a hard time. You know, when conflict comes, when tragedy comes, what do you do? That's what your children are going to see. They're going to see if you really turn to God or if you just throw up your arms and fall apart. They're going to see if you turn to godly brothers and sisters in Christ for advice or if you go to someone who's ungodly and get bad advice. They're going to see what you do in those circumstances. When it comes to the other responsibilities, like we talked about relating to character and integrity, they're going to see what you do when a chance comes up for you to show whether you have integrity or not. And that's what they're going to remember. They should see us doing all of these things, letting our yes be yes and our no be no, fulfilling commitments that we give, literally walking out the walk that we want them to walk. Colossians 2, 6 or 7, this will be on your screen. says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving the same scripture in the message translation says my counsel for you is simple and straightforward just go ahead with what you've been given you received christ jesus the master now live him you're deeply rooted in him you're well constructed upon him you know your way around the faith now do what you've been taught schools out Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill out over into thanksgiving. This passage really sums up the whole message. We ask the question again, how do we raise our children and disciple others around us to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and to make an impact on the kingdom of God? How can we do that? We live out the example in front of them. And they will follow it. They will imitate it. They will mimic it until it's real for them as well. And they will pass it on to the next generation. I want us to all ask ourselves this morning, do I possess that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that I would want my children to possess? That I would want my coworkers to possess? That I would want anyone, for that matter, to possess? And if the answer is no, then let's work on our relationship with Christ. 
If not, we know where we need to start. And I want you all to know that we're here to help. Uh, Beth and Luther shared, like I mentioned at the beginning, a, a great message on, on marriage and hope in, in a situation where you're in a difficult place in your message, marriage, I'm sorry, last Sunday. They had multiple people come up later and throughout the week that said, you know, one, thank you for the encouragement, but two, we need somebody to walk with us where we are in our marriage. And they were thrilled to be part of that. We have... We always have marriage counseling available, myself, Pastor Daryl, or we could hook you up with other couples that have strong marriages that would love to walk with you along in that. Same thing in, in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have life groups and life group leaders and other people in the congregation, myself and others, and uh, ladies that would walk along with the ladies uh, that would be happy to walk with you in this process. All you have to do is say, hey, I need help. I want I desire to have that relationship. I desire to be closer, but I don't know how. Well, we would love to help you with that. We're here to help you. You're not on your own. And if you're struggling with raising your kids and don't know what to do, there's parents here who who are doing a fantastic job. Are they perfect? No. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But we're trying to follow the principles of God. We're seeing fruit in areas, and we would be happy to walk alongside parents that are saying, hey, I don't know what to do in this situation. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be, and that's what we're here for. And that is something also that we need to model and imitate before our kids, that when we need help, we get it. Too often we wait until uh, it's, it's almost uh, unsalvageable before we'll reach out. I remember our, our pastor in Amarillo always said that almost every time that someone came to them or him for marriage counseling, it was like it was ER. You know, the, the, it was dead or on life support, and they're saying, okay, bring it back to life. You know, and, and it was that same thing of us not going to the doctors. Like, if they'd have come when they had a cough <laughs> or a cold or the flu or whatever, um, it would have been a lot easier to start there than trying to bring it back from the brink of destruction. But regardless of that, and that's what I loved about Beth and Luther's testimony, theirs was on life support. She didn't even want it to get better. And God completely restored it and brought it back to life. So whether you're there or just starting, ask for help. That's what we're here for. We want to be here to help you in all of those areas. Will you bow with with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together. I thank you for this body, this part of the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you for all the families that you've brought here, Lord. And that so many of us, our heart really is just to seek after you. To have the relationship with you that you want to have with us. That we might be able to live a life that's worth following, that's worth imitating, Lord. Father, I just pray that you would speak to every parent here, every person that's leading anyone in any area of their life. That you would show them the areas that they need help in. That they need to reach out to brothers and sisters in that you want to develop lord that you want to raise up to a place that it's worthy of imitation that it's worthy of following and father i pray for every kid here every youth here every child here even the ones in the nursery and children's lord that that you would give them grace for their parents lord grace for us as we try to do what you call us to lord that you would give them the ability 
to understand when we make mistakes, but that we're still trying to follow you. It's by grace we've been saved, and it's by grace that any of us make it through all the steps and places we have to go through childhood, Lord. We pray your blessing upon our children and upon this house and upon every home represented, Lord, that you would be the foundation, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.